This is Tony Flip from Chicago, and this WBEZ podcast is made possible with the support of listeners like me. Who's the what is going to be when? Where, where do I? Why is it called? How many? Besides the most. How many people? I was wondering. When, it, it, how I much? Wanna, when, 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 how much when are we going to get our? What is the? What? <laughs> You're listening to the Curious City podcast from WBEZ Chicago. You ask the questions. We answer them together. Hi there, I'm Jennifer Brandel, senior producer for Curious City. And you may have heard us answer questions about Chicago and the region, but sometimes we take on questions about its people, and sometimes even people who have passed on. That's the case this time. It's a question about one of the most renowned and influential Chicagoans, Jane Addams. Addams was born in 1860 and was a dynamo. She earned many labels, including the mother of modern social work, Nobel Peace Prize winner, and co-founder of Whole House. But curious citizen Adam Peterson wondered about another label. Could Jane Addams be considered a lesbian with the current use of that terminology? I did not find an easy answer to this question. Instead, I got deep answers from people who thought hard about Jane Addams' life and what the word lesbian means. You'll hear from many of them, but I'll start with the one person who I never got a straight answer from, Jane Addams herself. There's no question that Jane Addams was in a long-term, serious relationship with a woman named Mary Rose Smith. Mary was a wealthy Chicagoan who supported Whole House and its social programs. Some might say, a sugar mama. Together, Jane and Mary traveled the world, owned a vacation home, and at one point considered adopting a child. They also wrote decades worth of letters to one another, but Jane Addams had many of them destroyed. The letters burned. This is John D'Amelio. He's a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago and has written extensively on gay history and culture. I wish we had those letters. Oh my God, I just, it, it kills me. I ask him, so did Jane Addams have the letters burned because they contained anything explicitly sexual? There's no way. You know, this is not the world of Hugh Hefner and Playboy and <laughs> all of this other stuff. So that's not what they were writing about. But what they were probably writing about is just the open expression of how much the other person meant. These letters didn't survive, but a few poems did. Okay, so this is called Undated Poem, and it's from Jane Addams to Mary Rose Smith. Here's a poem read by Heather Radke, the exhibition coordinator at the Jane Addams Whole House Museum. The mine and thine of wedded folk is often quite confusing, and sometimes when they use the hours, it sounds almost amusing. But you and I may well defy both married folk and single to do as well as we have done the mine and thine to mingle. So Jane and Mary had their own kind of marriage. D'Amelio says he would use this term for it, a Boston marriage. In Jane's Victorian era, many middle-class, college-educated women were in committed relationships with other college-educated women. Again, John D'Amelio. And so Boston marriage becomes a very neutral, acceptable way of describing something that, if described in other terms, might be scandalous. But where does he come down on the lesbian question? Instead of calling Jane and Mary lesbians... I'm going to call them women-loving women. These women-loving women, their private lives are very important to understanding their public roles. And what a public role Jane Addams had. She had her hands in so much. Juvenile justice, education, labor reform. 
D'Amelio says if you study history, you'll find other trailblazing women of her time had female companions too. That probably made a big difference in their having the strength and the capacity and the emotional wherewithal to be out there in public. I asked another historian with a different take on what to call Jane Addams. She's queer. Jane Addams is queer in the way that we use that term today. This is Jennifer Breyer. She's an associate professor of gender and women's studies and history at UIC. She did not conform to gender and sexual norms of the time. I feel more comfortable calling Jane Addams queer than I do calling her a lesbian. But why not call Jane Addams a lesbian? Breyer says it would be a little lazy. Using the word lesbian might lead us to conclude that we know something meaningful about her life or what relationships were like 100 years ago. But she had another problem with the L word. She wouldn't have defined herself as a lesbian. It wasn't a phrase that had meaning to her. And I think that that matters. Of course she was. (laughs) I mean, that's, I think... There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that, you know, she would be considered a lesbian. And so for me, it's unambiguous. Lisa Yoon Lee is a former director of the Jane Addams Hull House Museum. While Lee is okay with calling Jane Addams a lesbian, she tells the story of how she and the museum had to grapple with that label. So back in the mid-2000s, Lee noticed this one painting of a brunette in a yellow ruffly dress in the staff offices. But as soon as I started asking, you know, who is that person in the painting, there were sort of like hushed tones and like confusion. And people said, well, some people say that it's Jane Addams's partner. Other people says it's her biggest, you know, business supporter. Other people said, well, of course, it's her lesbian lover. <laughs> and I realized that there was... This was a painting of Mary Rose Smith, the woman in Jane Addams' letters. The more Lee learned about Mary, the more she wanted the painting on public display. But the museum had to decide. What label should they use to talk about Jane and Mary's relationship? We created a sort of alternative labeling project where we asked people to help us identify who this painting was and how did people want her to be identified. Ultimately, the museum, with the public's help, decided to identify Mary as Jane's closest companion. The hope was this label and the historical context would inspire curiosity, not conclusions. Say, what? Like, what do you mean by that? Why is that important? And I want to know more, you know? And so all of these uh, labels... Since bringing Mary into the museum, they've decided that even more private history should be made available to the public. So they're starting something new. Welcome to the Jane Addams Hull House Museum. We will be giving a gender and sexuality tour where we will be exploring the history of Jane Addams and Hull House around gender and sexuality. This new tour debuts this week, and it explores Jane and other women at Hull House who didn't follow gender norms. But the tour is also a statement that it's better to talk about Jane Addams' sexuality than to avoid it. Again, we're going to continue this further, but let's head over to the childhood exhibit. (laughs) Lena Reynolds has been giving general museum tours for a while, and she says she usually brings up Jane and Mary's relationship. But one day... We had a group once that had loads of kids, and they didn't have nearly enough time. They had like 15, 20 minutes or something. So Reynolds clipped the tour and instead focused on Jane Addams' Nobel Peace Prize and her thick FBI file. So I walk out and then one of the parents comes up to me and was like, you know, I really wish that you had gone into her story with Mary Rose Smith because there are several kids in this class who have same-sex parents and they really needed that moment of inspiration. Reynolds called the group back and told the story of Jane and Mary. She says that moment was a good reminder of how Jane's life affects people today. 
regardless of whether we use the word lesbian or not. She's part of this bigger movement, even if it was in a time before the movement existed, you know? Whether or not we, you know, want to put that word on it, it that she was fighting for equality and acceptance and human rights is undeniable. And that she valued love is also undeniable. We've got a gigantic article with far more detail and comments over at wbez.org slash Curious City. That is, if you can't get enough of Victorian sexuality and commentary about it. And if you just want to see that painting of Mary in the yellow ruffly dress, it's there too. Well, podcast pals, we've reached the end of season two. And we'll hit you back at the top of 2014. Won't be long. If you miss us in the meantime, though, we're still taking on your curiosities at WBEZ slash Curiosity and on air at WBEZ 91.5 FM in Chicago. And you can find us always on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you so much for lending us your ears, your attention, and of course, your wonder. Curious City is produced by WBEZ, Chicago Public Media, Ziga, and AIR, the Association of Independence in Radio. Our senior producer is Jennifer Brandell. Sean Ali edits the series, and Logan Jaffe is our multimedia producer. The Curious City podcast is mixed by Sarah Liu with help from Mickey Capper. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or listen to our back catalog in SoundCloud. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at WBEZ Curious City. Lead financial support for Curious City comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect our community, our nation, and our world. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Thanks for listening.